You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am your esteemed host, Andrew the Count Lowen, and I am joined, as always, by Sexy Irish Sean, and Rick has transformed into a beautiful princess with a different name and life. Uh, we are interviewing a guest today. Her name is Kristen Ewing, and I call her the queen of Instagram. She happens to be my sister, which is why we get this exclusive interview. She's got 140,000 or more followers that she built entirely organically. She is a hairstylist. And before you turn off because you're like, that's not board games, hairstylist, not board games, then consider that this person charges $500 a haircut because she was able to build her organic following and she has so much to, to teach and I can't wait to pull it out of her. How are you doing, Kristen? I'm doing great. And I like to um, introduce myself as every nerd's wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> you stop it. <laughs> because I uh, I do like to game, you know, and I also consider myself very hot. So if you'd like to follow me on Instagram for just the outfit of the day pictures, then I'm down for it. You, I, I always, I can't help myself. I always comment on, you know, the booby pictures. Like you put those <laughs> boobies away. That is not, it's not appropriate. Don't I? The boobs. <laughs> it is funny because, you know, we deal with a lot of, and obviously board games and, and with our clients and we had one client who had reached out to a lot of instagram board game reviewers which is unusual because most people do it through youtube or facebook that's where most of the influencers in that space are <laughs> but i noticed that with all these like board game reviewers unlike all the other platforms they seem to be wearing uh, not too much clothing it's <laughs> 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 so like oh that's a bit uh, unusual <laughs> yeah yeah it's like oh my normally God. they're just like stinky dudes but so, i don't know so just, i think it's i don't know that's just the culture of that that site right it's just, oh yeah it's just yeah, a little bit more risque on yeah. the ig mm -hmm. it's not only people, fans but people, it's like, people loosen their morals bad. just a little bit on the gram you know mm -hmm. the saying do it for the gram is you know there for a reason no one says do it for facebook or do it for youtube it's do it for the because, gram you know because your, your mom's on facebook that's why i watch it <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely you gotta keep you gotta keep it pg for mom you know let's give our audience a little bit of understanding of your background and in particular you know marketing i know that you kind of started out in you know as a hairstylist and then you found some sort of formula that really worked for you on and you found it I mean, you made it work on Instagram, and I just kind of want to understand a little bit of a background as to how this came about. How'd you get e-famous? Uh, well, I don't really consider myself like famous on Instagram for any means. I, I'm not one of those typical like... How'd you get middle class famous? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not one of those typical accounts that like looks at their following account, tries to look at their insights, and tries to figure out exactly what they do that makes their insights go up or down. I just prefer to jump onto the story or jump onto Instagram and tell my story and what I'm passionate about in that moment and educate on it. And it all kind of started, of course, with me going to beauty school. And I actually went to beauty school and I wanted to do makeup because I wanted to be a makeup artist. And eventually I actually just started really loving doing hair. Fast forward, you know, to 10 years later, I've went and I moved in like a bunch of times. I've moved like to three different states 
And I literally went from California to Kansas, back to California, and then over to Texas. And I've built a clientele and marketed myself through social media. When I first became a hairstylist, it was really all about walk-ins and word of mouth. And then the social media thing just really changed business for hairstylists and really for everyone to where now you don't have to wait for walk-ins. You can actually go and get yourself out in front of your target market and build a dream clientele that, you know, allows you to charge your worth. You can also make like a really incredible lucrative income. Like for me working just three days a week, I made over $285,000 and I was able to still have a work-life balance. And that was all through the power of Instagram. And of course, you know, me actually being the one doing the things, because if I wasn't able to do what I did super successfully, then people wouldn't have stayed. Right. Mm-hmm. But right. yeah, that's kind of how it started. And now it's changed from me being just as a hairstylist behind the chair to now I actually teach other hairstylists how to build a business around their skills. So that way they can make more money, live their dream life and have that freedom and flexibility they've always wanted. That's awesome. And this whole thing started uh, rather the education piece of your business started. You had this vision, you put together a course for on on like a business i guess the business side of hair and tell us about that you so you had this vision for a course and then you launched it you know what where did the the vision come from and what happened when i launched my very first course it was actually during covid and i didn't really know like what to do or what to expect i was kind of just throwing myself in this and was like you know i need to do something just to you know be able to help me transition into being an educator and i was actually touring before in 2019 and i actually had a 2020 um, tour planned where i was going to go international for the very first time i was going to go and teach in canada and other countries And of course, you know, COVID hit and we had to cancel the tour. I had to refund over $40,000 in ticket sales, (laughs) which, oh yeah, it put me in the worst hole. And it was really stressful. And at that time, I remember thinking to myself like, wow, this is kind of the point where I feel like I am going to just stop being a hairstylist or something needs to change. And at that time, I had an idea for a business course. And the business course was going to be something that had a lot of information in it. But I needed something that was going to supplement my income and give me the ability to take the time away from my clientele so I could really build this business course out. And that's where I created a technical course called Lumiere Lab. Now, I had never done a online course before. I had taught live classes via Zoom that were only like $67 or something like that. And I had a bunch of people join and watch those classes. I think I had probably about a thousand people watch those classes um, and be able to absorb that information. Well, fast forward a little bit to when I was actually finished with a four technical bundle, which had four of my techniques that I taught behind the chair, along with a big bonus about how to raise your value with photography through Instagram, which basically was all about raising the perceived value of the actual client looking at your Instagram. So you can say, Hey, I charge $300 for a color service. And that person's going to be like, Oh, that is worth way more. I'm going to that person. So that entire bundle- because of the awesomeness of the images. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So the yeah. pictures were able to give a higher value to that stylist just by the aesthetic, just by the look. And I fast forward to launching this. I had That's no idea. Yeah, right. I, it's, I, it's... I guess I didn't want to 
interrupt you, uh, yeah. remember where you were because this is really great stuff. I, by the way, I think that um, launching a course and launching a crowdfunding campaign are like the exact same thing. You, oh, yeah. you, warm, you have to bring your warm audience and you have to make sure they know about it and they have to buy on day one or it's like, what are, what are you here for? You know, if they Absolutely. don't. Um, and that's yeah. kind of where I thrive is that finding a new person who is like, we call it a cold audience in the marketing world, right? So a new person who has no idea who you are, doesn't know like what you're about, and then you warm them up into being a hot audience. So a hot audience is someone who like knows who you are, loves your stuff, wants to buy everything that you have to offer. So we'll rewind and back to mm -hmm. the first time that I launched a, a course, which wasn't my business course. It was actually a technical course. I had no idea how it would do. And my goal was to have 50 people enroll. And in a five-day period, I had over 500 people enroll to a course that cost $357. And if you do the math on $357, it's six plus figures. So I literally made my entire hairstylist income for a nine month period up in five days. And I knew that it was like, uh -huh. time to oh, completely man. shift my business and to be a full-time educator. It was my calling, my gut feeling. And I knew it was time to step away from behind the chair and support other people to be able to do what I did. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah. So um, awesome too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of information to unpack there. Oh yeah. And that, that was all before the iOS 14 update, wasn't it? Oh, yes, that was all before, but it was 100% organic. That wasn't any, like, I didn't do any Facebook ads. I didn't do any um, paid advertising. It was 100% organic through Instagram and um, email marketing. That's where I focused it completely. So there was no paid campaigns. I didn't have any cost other than the actual um, hosting platform that I was on, which was Kajabi. So it was only about like, I think $99 a month at that time before I had to upgrade. And um, year to date, I've done over a million dollars in online course sales and have helped over 5,000 students, which has been incredible. And that's all, you know, with the power of Instagram. And of course I had you know, decided to go into uh, Facebook marketing a little bit in there too. And, um, you know, Sean and Andrew have helped me with that. And they're incredible. Um, sponsored by Lumiere Labs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sponsored by people. Do you plan your posts like, oh, I'm going to post on this day and do this thing? Or do you just sort of go with the flow? Do you try to post every day? What's sort of the, the strategy? Honestly, I'm such a creative person. And I'm sure that all of these nerds listening right now are also creative because you have to be creative when you, you know, are planning all these games or when you are, you know, playing games, obviously, too. And of course, you need to be like very uh, tactical in your thought, which I think is incredible. For me, I don't plan my post. I can't. I am a very like what my team, my uh, entire team that we've built out, what they call me is a butterfly. And I'm a very spontaneous butterfly. I will flutter one way and then I'll change my mind and flutter the other way and flutter up and down. And I am constantly changing my mind. So I have to have passion for it right at that time and then post about it. Otherwise, it seems like it was rehearsed or it seems mm -hmm. like it was planned. And for me, with really building trust in my audience, that organic build and that organic relationship that I've created has just been so transformative. And that's what people come and you know want to learn from me where that's why is because I have a very transparent relationship with them. I don't 
show them, you know, all of these rainbows and butterflies, although I am a spontaneous butterfly. Um, that's just because I changed my mind. Yeah. But I, I show them the transparency into my life and into business. And I talk about what I'm passionate about. And I teach them what I'm passionate about. And I leave everything else alone. Okay, so it's, it's so then you come across very authentic, right? With that approach. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's super duper important because um, a lot of the time, you know, with, with myself, whenever, first of all, whenever somebody has ever asked me to take over their social media, the answer is usually always no. Um, I've done it a few times earlier on in my career and it has been so difficult because sometimes you can have passion for something, you know, like, or, or something just comes easier and more naturally that you can talk about it because you just so happen to know about it or whatever, you know, if somebody, you know, if I if I had a board game that I really loved or something like that, it would be a lot easier to manage that group for a little while. But then, you know, I don't know. I mean, unless it's my own, which it deliverance, I'm very passionate about that. I just it's hard to maintain that fire for someone else. And I think that there's a certain benefit if you if you are able to manage your own social media. I am such a big advocate for that because of that passion. I also really loved what you said about how you post what you're thinking at the time. You don't wait because then you said it would it would be like it's rehearsed. And I think that that's a big deal too. Um, for me, if I, with my own social media, if I fail to post what I'm thinking at the moment, I actually fail to post for the entire day most often. If I'm thinking about like, oh, there's a really cool thing. Like, for example, I, I just got a set of actually a box right here. I just got a set of uh, new miniature sculpts from Longpack Games for uh, Deliverance. And I can't wait to actually open those things. But if but at the moment that I open them, I if I fail to take pictures and I fail to, you know, post immediately, I will fail entirely to post. And it's, you know, by the time I remember it's like oh it's been a couple of days i have to do that i'm gonna you know it's like if you put that in your calendar or something post about the miniatures that you just got it's just gonna be it's not i don't know it's not gonna bubble with that excitement that that i am feeling right when i'm opening it and i think that that's part of the the whole magic of social media is that you want people to kind of feel the fire that you're feeling right absolutely what it is that you write so what um, happens when you get like three post ideas in the same day if you post them all in the same day would you say okay i'll save this one for tomorrow so that's definitely happened to me before and you know with with those post ideas what i will do is if i do feel passion and i write a post because i'm a writer in, and i'm not a writer like i've written books that is a, a goal of me for me on my bucket list is to write a book and maybe a couple and maybe become a bestseller who knows um but when you have passion and you're writing a whole bunch of things, it's okay to break it up into multiple posts because it's still going to be organic. You, of course, don't want to post like for me, at least I don't want to post a bunch of times a day because I don't want to get annoying. But one thing that I do, if you have an email list, which I absolutely recommend, especially if you're wanting to build your brand or, you know, something like mm -hmm. that, then, you know, I will create a post. I will actually put push it over to my email list first, and then I'll go on to my Instagram story and I'll even talk about it on an Instagram post. And when you spread your content out like that, you're actually able to create multiple pieces of content instead of just one. Because the way I think about it, 
there's going to be people who go and look at my social media posts, but maybe the people on my email list will have the algorithm will push mine out and they will not have seen it. So then I send it out to my email list. Well, there's some people who don't necessarily like to read email and there's some people who don't necessarily like to scroll the feed and find your posts. So, but people like to go and watch your story. So you go and you look at your Instagram story and you post it there. And that's how you're able to repurpose content in multiple different ways. And you don't have to do all of this at the exact same time. You can actually do this over a week period or longer. When you talk about repurposing content, let's say in particular, you had an idea for an Instagram post where, I mean, I've seen a lot of your posts. You write kind of long form content where in, in essence, you're kind of having a conversation with the person that's reading. It's not like, a 10 word post about, you know, with a, with an easy to answer question on it. It's a post with some kind of image. And I really look forward to getting to chat about those images and what it is that you find are useful, but the content is a conversational piece that talks to a person reading it. And when let's say, you know, you posted already that day and you're inspired or maybe you wanted to send an email do you so let's say you post something on instagram do you just um copy paste that whole thing and then put it in an email or like do you link to your instagram post like what do you what do you do when you actually send an email so my emails are a lot different than my instagram posts because my Instagram posts, yes, they are seen by a warm and a hot audience, but they're also seen by a cold audience. That is where people find me, essentially. It's one of the places people find me now. But on my email list, those are already warm and hot people. Like Those are people that are pretty much strictly that warm and hot because they've heard from me. They trust me enough to join my email list and they want to know more. So they're already warm. They know who I am. People who are on your email list will typically know who you are and at least be warm. So when it comes to talking to them, I talk differently. Like I'm talking to my friend and I also go really in depth on it. Now, mm -hmm. I will say that the hairstyles and the beauty business world is a lot more touchy feely. Like we have feelings, we call each other babe and love and friend. And of course we, uh, we do it to everyone, women, men, and other alike, you know, mm -hmm. we love to, be really supportive of each other. So it's a lot more of an intimate conversation, a lot more supportive and uplifting. And what I do with my education there is I really just try to give them more and give them a reason to be on my email list. If my email is literally just a post that's repurposed into an email, then I don't see how it's beneficial to be on my list. But if my post is then I dive into it more so in my email, then it makes a whole lot more sense because I'm able to expand more. And typically people will read long form content and text on a Instagram post if it catches with them, if they connect with it. But on my uh, email, it's almost more like a blog. Now, sometimes I write long emails that I used to have a copywriter and he told me you can literally make this one email, three different emails. But sometimes I literally just jump in with some words of inspiration and something that's supportive that's going to give them like be uplifting for them and encouraging. So it all just depends. But typically my emails are a little bit different than my social media posts. And same thing with my Instagram story too. My Instagram posts are typically all business. 
But my Instagram story, I show personal things. I show cooking. I show me riding horses. I show my family. I show a lot of that kind of stuff because that's where people can actually connect with me as a person, not just me as a business. And that's how I have been able to turn so many organic followers into actual paying customers. Every once in a while, I'll talk about this concept as um, a little bit of uh, like you have to sacrifice and make yourself part of your brand. Like you are your brand in board games. Um, I do this and I think that, you know, the way that it kind of manifests for me is I become a fan that can appreciate the product along with my fellow fans. You know, I like I, I love Deliverance. I love playing it and I love designing it and that kind of thing. And it's something that I can, you know, it's a, it's an area of common interest with myself and all of my crew. They love it. And I, I talk about it like a fan, you know, so, and, and in, in that sense, I am in a much more public light than let's say a company, you know, that it's not the company celebrating, it's Andrew personally celebrating and people want to know what Andrew has to say. And in, you know, those fans want to know what Andrew has to say and what Andrew thinks and whatnot. Um, and that is a little bit of a sacrifice. You're opening up your personal life for people and, and that sort of thing. But you kind of delineate between your personal life and the, we'll say the business posts, and you do that through the story. So I'm curious to to know like when it when does something belong on the story? Why use the why use like a Facebook story, Instagram story? You kind of do both, right? Um, I mean, Instagram and Facebook are. I mean, they're almost like the same thing nowadays, but like if you're on Instagram, you can populate a Facebook story and vice, you know, and, and, um, vice versa. Right. So I'm really interested to learn how you use the story and how you would recommend others use the story that are listening to this podcast, whether it's on Facebook and stuff. So they're, as far as Facebook and Instagram goes, they are owned by the same company, right? Like Facebook owns both Facebook and Instagram. But when it comes to the actual market that's living on Facebook or Instagram, it's different. So we know that typically anyone who is 35 or even like 30 and up are typically on Facebook. But people on Instagram are more of that millennial age. Like it's basically all millennials. And then of course you have people who are, you know, in that 40 plus range or people who are like 18 and under on Instagram too. But the majority of people on Instagram are going to be in that 24 to 35 range. That is typically where the age that's on Instagram. So that kind of comes into like target marketing. Like where does your target market live? For me, I knew that my target market, which is that 24 to 35 range, they all live on Instagram. And I really love Instagram. And another thing that I will say is that my target market is very much so myself. Like I am my target market and I am my biggest fan and at the same time, my biggest critic, right? Which typically hairstyles are. They can be either their biggest fan or their biggest critic. And when it comes to choosing what platform to be on, you have to go to the one that actually has your target market on there. If your target market is, you know, 45 plus, then being on Instagram probably isn't going to be the best thing. But if being if your target market is in that that younger range, that 25 or 24 to 35, then Instagram is a great place. Now, as far as the story goes, for me, it really is helpful to have people actually connect to who I am. And at the same time, it makes me more passionate because we're all human. We like to be liked. 
And I don't do it because I want to be liked. I just do it because I want to connect with my target market deeper and on a deeper level. And at the same time, I also want to filter through those people who are like, well, we like, you know, some of your stuff, but we're not like diehard fans. Like I want people to be diehard fans because I'm a diehard fan for them. And I want it to be a mutual giving relationship. So that's kind of my my thoughts and my theories behind that. And I know a lot of that can go over into gaming too. And as far as like building your business within the gaming industry, of course, I am not like the expert on that, but marketing and building like your target market is very much so something that I thrive in. I like that you said there are a couple of things that I really loved. The first one was that you said you are your target market. And I think a lot of people that get started with um, a board game, for example, they usually, the very first game they ever make is one that they wanted to play. So they themselves are their target market. And the idea is that, you know, I wonder how many other people feel like me. I think that that's something that, you know, is so true in a way. It's like a very, very powerful shortcut to, to marketing. Like who is your target market? You are, you know, what, like, what about, what do you do? Where do you go? Um, What do you like? And what, you know, gets you excited you know, about, um, a particular product. When you hear, when you hear an element about a product that makes you excited, maybe it's the way that it was written or spoken or whatever, but if it gets you excited, chances are, it's going to get your people excited too. Um, what I find really interesting about managing your, your Facebook ads or and your Instagram ads is that you always send us uh, materials, images, videos, and text that have in a sense proven themselves with your audience. And so that's, it's a really great place to start. I think that's one of the advantage of, of having an audience and building a community organically is it actually helps you refine your advertising messages. So when you do go pay for advertising, do pay for ads, you have a starting point where you know, well, this is a good place to start because it worked organically and uh, we should try it with paid advertising. Yeah, you've kind of already done a test, which that's uh, that's where I found it to be extremely successful is I'll post an Instagram reel. It will get, you know, 400,000 views and I'll be like, oh, I feel like this would really connect to people who possibly don't even know me because, you know, those 400, mm-hmm. I don't have 400,000 followers. So there's, you know, a whole bunch of people out there who have consumed this content. And I think let's go and just see how it works with a cold audience out on, you know, an ad. What would you say to somebody who doesn't really have much of a following, like when they post a video or something that it just doesn't get any engagement, really. It's almost like, you know, either people didn't like it or gets lost in the noise. Yeah. You know, if somebody's just feels lost and they've got a Facebook page and they've got, you know, their personal accounts on various social media that they enjoy browsing, like where would somebody actually get started? Like, how would they get serious? You know what I mean? Like, without knowing a particular, you know, client, what, what are some of like the most important or maybe obvious places like to kind of go from playing at this to being serious about this, you know? Well, the biggest thing is that you have to understand what your goal is. You need to know what the goal is. And at the same time, you need to know who your audience is. Like, who is your audience? If it's you, if it's like, let's say me example, if it's 30-year-old Kristen who loves, you know, natural hair color, she loves natural like tones and loves low maintenance, then 
how am I going to speak to them? And they want to learn more about like, let's say balayage. Balayage is a, a specific technique that you do on the hair to give like a childlike hair, co- hair color that is sun-kissed and has like brightness in specific areas. Now, if I want to reach that person, if I want to pique their interest, then what kind of clickbait can I send out to that person that makes them feel some type of way? For me, I don't mind ruffling feathers. I don't mind challenging people. One of the posts that I did that got a lot of you know people thinking was how to lose a good client in three easy steps. Like that in itself brought a lot of people to be like, what? Like, we don't want to lose a client, a good client. But at the same time, like, how do, how would that happen? And I gave like the facts of if you do, if you don't do this, if you stop doing this, if you slack on this, your good client that tips you 25% every single time and doesn't care if you do a price increase, they're going to wander and go to a different client and go to a different hairstylist. So when it comes to actually building up your social media presence, it's so important to remember that it takes time and it takes consistency. And if you have patience, you give it time and you also are consistent on it and you know your message, you know your target audience, you're going to really be able to build a booming business for yourself without the stress of, you know, trying to figure out, oh, what does my audience want? They're cold and how do I warm them up? And it's going to really just kind of be its own working machine. And you're not even going to have to do anything other than just be the creative that you love being and just really be able to work towards building that relationship with that person even more. So Kristen, how long did it take you then to get from, I suppose, starting Instagram to a point where it was actually profitable for you? Because you talk about consistency. So just to maybe give some people a bit of an idea of the time frame of how long this could potentially take from starting at zero to where this could actually bring in some income. And then I'll also add, you know, um, maybe there was a time where you didn't take it seriously or, or, you know, you were just kind of fiddling around and didn't realize the power that was the potential from the time that you realized there was potential to the time that, you know, when you started trying, I guess that makes sense. Absolutely. Was was there a difference also? Oh, yeah, there's a big there's a very big difference. I've had Instagram uh, pretty much like since the year after Instagram really became like a thing. And when uh, followers was like so easy and getting like, you know, 5000 likes on a post was extremely easy. And there's no algorithm and all of the pictures would be posted like at a specific time and you had to time your post to be posted. So that way most people were on the platform and all that crazy stuff. I didn't really get serious about Instagram or serious about really anything uh, marketing wise until I moved to Texas and I knew that I needed to shift my business. And at that point, when I moved here, I had about, I think, like 11,000 followers, which is a fairly good amount. But that was just because I would post things that, you know, certain that clients would connect with. And I had like a huge following that was client based at that time. And then when I moved to Texas, I went from having 11,000 followers and went all the way up to like 44,000 followers. Now, I will say that follower count doesn't matter because if you have 200 followers and they're all dedicated clients that like want to purchase from you or they're customers who want to purchase from you, that's a whole heck of a lot of customers that are wanting to purchase. 44,000 people who follow me aren't necessarily people who want to purchase from me. A lot of them are just people who want to see the stuff that I post 
or want to, you know, see the pretty hair or whatever. They're not 100% my target market, but at the same time, a lot of them are. So when it comes to actually creating your following and building them, you have to, like I said, you have to have those specific things in place, like knowing your target market and all of that. And you have to put time in be consistent with it and understand that it's going to take some time to build it. But if you understand like your, what you are wanting to do and where you're wanting to go, it's going to happen so much faster. For me to really get clear on that, it took me years. But now at this point, I'm so incredibly clear that it's easy for me to show up. It's easy for me to have confidence in posting. And the more that you do it, the more that you post, the more that you show up. Sometimes you can start and your vision isn't really clear, but as you go, you get more confident and you your vision clears up and you're able to see where you want to go. That's very cool. And what would you say for, you know, we'll, we'll say like a, a tabletop RPG or a board game or something like that, you know, with somebody who has an idea and they might not be clear, how do you, how do you get clear? I mean, is it, do you, you know, you, you want to try to figure out who your target market is. So you do some brainstorming or, I mean, just post and see what sticks all the above. What, what would you say would be like practical ways that, that you could get clear? You know what I mean? Well, the way that kind of helped me was I would start following people that I looked up to, people that's content I love to consume. And it wasn't just hairstylists. It was people in the business world, people in the marketing world, people in the design world. And I would look at what they did and I would say, oh, I like that idea. I'm going to do something like that too, but for what I'm doing. And that really worked well with me and it really helped a lot get clear on my vision because when I first started, branding is like a really big thing, of course, in every single like world that you could possibly be in, in the beauty world, in the gaming world, in the marketing world, business world, everyone needs a brand. And for me, finding my brand was actually pretty difficult. So honestly, it was just so much of trial and error and understanding that no matter what I do, it's not going to be perfect every single time. There's going to be times where I post something that's going to get, you know, over 5,000 likes. There's been stuff that I've posted that's gotten over 150,000 likes. But at the same time, there's been stuff that I post, it gets like 300 likes. And when something like that happens, I refuse to delete those posts. And I used to. I used to say, oh, it didn't get a lot of likes. It didn't get a lot of saves. It didn't do this. But for me, I think I want to connect with those 300 people who connected with those posts. I'm I'm okay with not posting things that get popular every single time or go viral every single time. I want to connect with someone for a reason why I post something and I'm going to keep it there because I'm going to connect with that person I'm looking for and that person who needs that connection, that post that I've actually created, they're going to be warmed up into from a cold audience into a warm audience from that post. So it's really important like to, to not be too hard on yourself if your post doesn't go viral or if it doesn't get as many likes as the post that you recently posted. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not getting to the people who it needs to get to. Cool. And then is a, a large part of you know, posting on Instagram to do with hashtags, um, maybe for people starting out, I, I kind of imagine if they were to just like post an image with a, like a status, no one would see it. Um, so is like 
are hashtags more important as you start off and they become less important as you grow older or as hashtags no longer a thing, the algorithms changed, how would you work with hashtags? So I think that hashtags are still very important. And um, for me, I pioneered one of the hashtags in Austin, Texas, and it's where I built my clientele fully. And I did it in eight weeks, which is unheard of for hairstylists. Typically, it takes like a year to three years. So when it comes to hashtags, it's just important that when you use them, your target market is going and looking in them. So if you like if you do a hashtag like hashtag Blizzard Games or something like that, who knows if your clients are going and looking in that or if your prospective customer is going and looking in hashtag Blizzard Games or whatever hashtags, you know, nerds use. <laughs> but when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to those hashtags, you just have to like, I like how you, I like how you know Blizzard. <laughs> I know it's yeah. honestly oh, was she the better first know Blizzard. Played enough WoW yeah. in front of her. <laughs> uh, it was the first one I could think of because I used to play Warcraft 3 and that was like one of my favorite games to play. And I was actually thinking about it the other night, like, oh, I have, like, I wish I could get back on it because it was so much fun and I love the storyline, all that. But yeah, so when it comes to hashtags, back to hashtags, last yeah. of Warcraft 3, um, <laughs> when it comes to actually like researching hashtags, it does take research. You've got to research for those. Like for me, I do hashtags like, hashtag balayage educator, hashtag balayage classes. And I try to find where my perspective market is and I try to go and search out for them. But there is content that is easier to find than others. And a lot of it doesn't necessarily even have to do anything with the hashtags. Like we know we can go on Instagram reels and we can go and see all these funny dancing and all of these, you know, hilarious uh, videos and we can just scroll and it's nothing to do with hashtags. So I will say as far as content goes, and this could be another talking point, is that reels do way better. Reels do really good. And uh, pun intended, like a lot of pun intended there. They do really, really good because they are more of a building when it comes to the actual um, likes or when it comes to the view count. You post them, they don't typically get a ton of views or a ton of likes within a short period of time unless they go like extremely viral, which definitely can happen. But typically with reels, they start out slow and they continuously build over like a three month period of time where posting a picture will get a peak reaction within the first like, you know, maybe day and then it drops off completely. And that is where, you know, hashtags can kind of be worked around because Instagram wants you to use reels. They don't want to be second to TikTok and they are right now. And everyone on TikTok is like 18 and under, which is why I'm not there. I will literally like watch my life away on TikTok. I cannot do it. But when it comes to when it comes to reels, of course a lot of it has to do with hashtags, but a lot of it doesn't at the same time. So if you post something that gets clickbait or you grab someone's attention within the first 5 seconds, then you're going to get a lot of views and a lot of engagement on that post. So related to hashtags, a follow-up question is how many hashtags is too many and or, or how many is too few? Like if I were to find all the hashtags, let's say like, you know, you know, for example, uh, I run, you know, I've got my board game and I'm thinking, um, well, I know that my people like Blizzard, so I'll use Blizzard games, but that's more of like a video game. Let's say I use World of Warcraft as a hashtag. Um, 
would people looking at World of Warcraft as a hashtag want to see the content from a board game that they might like? But you know, maybe maybe that is the wrong place. I, I'm thinking like, is it is it the wrong place for um, this type of content? So is that something that you think about when you come up with hashtags as well? The you know, and then how many or how few would you recommend? Yeah, I definitely do think about that when it comes to, you know, what to what hashtag to use or how many. Honestly, I will use the maximum number of hashtags and I ain't got no problem with it. When it when it comes to actually doing hashtag research, for me, it's almost like if you use a hashtag that has to do with a completely different business. Like for me, if I ever did a hashtag and I used the hashtag of the beauty salon or the salon right down the street or the stylist right down the street, that to me is the equivalent of going to someone else's party, jumping on the table and saying, hey, I have a party at my house right down the street. You guys should all come and trying to siphon people over from Mm -hmm. that person. Now, when it comes to that, I don't personally love it. What I do is I try to find neutral hashtags that people are genuinely looking for. Like hair classes would be a hashtag. People are looking for that, but no one specifically owns that. Now for me, my Kristen Lumiere hashtag, there are people who use that all the time, but they're just trying to promote their own hairstyling business. And from a follower's viewpoint, they don't necessarily look at that in a positive light. And when someone goes to a hashtag Blizzard Games, I'm assuming like people going to like a hashtag Modern Salon, which is a publication, they're typically going to go and they're going to try and consume that content. But if they see like a random Mm -hmm. game, then they might be like, eh, it's not really piquing my interest. But if you're going here... Hashtag board games. Exactly. Like maybe someone's like hashtag new board games or hashtag, you know, PVP board games or whatever it is that, you know, nerds look up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She's speaking the lingo, man. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Straight fire. I'm going to be saying nerds like all the time now. I love it. And actually, I don't know if you guys know, know, but Andrew, I don't even know if Andrew still has this, but his uh, email used to be like wrestler dork. And (laughs) I was like, yep, he is a wrestler dork. (laughs) Still has this. It's probably like if you ever wanted to hack Andrew, you know the email to use now. He's like the nerd you couldn't bully. (laughs) So Kristen, we've talked a little bit about TikTok. Have you ever dabbled with Snapchat? Yes, but not like on a professional level. Snapchat for me was literally just the place that I could find like funny filters to put on myself to like make my children either like cry out of fear or like think I'm hilarious. (laughs) So so Snapchat was never really like a business thing for me. And TikTok, I did try to be on TikTok and I had one of my TikToks go viral but it was just not like a place where, I mean, I, I would literally have like younger girls like in their, like in middle school or in high school on there. And I'm like, oh, this just, you guys just aren't going to get it. You need a little bit more experience in the world it's before like you can actually market. get. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta grow up just a little bit before you get what Kristen Lumiere is putting out there. They also have no money, so they can't buy anything you're selling. <laughs> yeah. It's very true. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's curious because, you know, TikTok just outdid Google for the highest traffic site on the internet this wow. year. It was the number one highest traffic site on the internet for 11 out of 12 months in, in 2021. And yeah, it's, it's completely off the chain um, as far as its popularity, but the, 
thing is like, what are people doing on there? Like Google, they're searching for businesses, searching for whatever. Easy to monetize Google right now, but it's not as easy to monetize TikTok, I find. And um, yeah, you know, I'm sure TikTok's monetizing it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely by selling yeah. the data of selling uh, the data of, of kids. Yeah, yeah, and then making Sorry. making predictions on their future behavior. It's kind of creepy, stalkery, stalker <laughs> creepy. Five five stage five clinger status. Yes. At least on Instagram, yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm an adult. Uh, you can stage five clinger me. Give me all of the ads that I want to see. And I remember when the iOS update happened, and all of the ads were just like on the fritz and all of your apps were asking if you would allow them to track you. And so that way they could deliver optimized content. Everyone was like, no, don't let them track you. And I was like, yeah, right. If I'm going to see ads, I don't want to see ads about like a toilet, you know, flusher that's going to be better than all the rest of the toilet flushers that there are. I want to see content that I actually want to see. I want to see fashion and I want to see, you know, hair stuff. And I want to see all of this stuff that's monetized for me instead of just these random things. So, of course, I was like, allow me just... I know that the FBI has, you know, an FBI agent on me and they're recording my phone and my voice at all times. So just continue. Do your worst. Yep. Yeah, I'm of the opinion that there's so much data out there that it is just um, unusable right now. But uh, Sean is of the opinion that they are working to find ways to use it. Isn't yeah, this, right? well, yeah, well, they're permanently storing it. So when they have the computing power to access it, they'll be able to. So you ha everyone has a permanent record. Mm -hmm. That's yep. what that's what Snowden's book was about, permanent record. <laughs> so we do have a couple of, of questions from our um, Facebook community. And some of them were actually answered, but one of them was by Tony Ripley. He asked, basically, when should he post as his personal account? Like, when should he post as Tony? And when should he post as his page, as his business account? We maybe have answered that a little bit, but do you have any other thought on on that? Is that on Facebook or Instagram? We'll say Facebook. Um, so on Facebook, uh, honestly, that's kind of a place where I'm a little bit blurry on because there's sometimes where I'm on my personal and I post, uh, I post personal and then I post business. And honestly, my Facebook page is kind of left dormant. I don't really do a lot on there, mostly because for me, I try to make things easier, not harder. And I know that going to my actual like personal Facebook is fairly easy. I just open the app. But if I want to go to my page, I got to open the app. I got to go to pages. I got to find which page I want to get on. And then I got to post. So for me, I just kind of go on my personal. And then I have like inner circle communities on Facebook or Facebook groups. If we want to just leave them a little bit less uh, foofy. And those I typically go on with my page, but it switches automatically. So people get that professional side when I go to my groups and then people get like the personal side when they're on my actual friends list. And I have students all the time adding me. And for the longest time, I was like, no, I want to keep my Facebook, mostly just my family. But then at another time, I was like, well, if people want to connect with me even on a deeper level and they want to see like my political views or they want to see like my religion or, you know, whatever it is, then who am I to say no? Like, go ahead. Cancel culture. Come for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that that's an important point. I always look at the personal for all the things and then business, is, you know, when I post on like from my business page, it is for a business related announcement. And I think that that could be, you know, once every, you know, 12 months you post one time and that's okay on your business page, as long as it's a business related announcement from your company, you know, 
our products are available in this store or whatever. I think that's something that people might, you know, that that's kind of the differentiator for me. So, so this actually, this question is from uh, Kevin Kincaid. He asked, what are some rules or compositions or tricks to make static objects look more appealing in photos? And he's, he wants to know specific to board game pieces or components when attempting to showcase a board game. Um, but what do you do? Like, what are some general things that you use to enhance photos, angles that you use, filters or cameras or whatever? Care to talk to that at all? Yeah, absolutely. So pictures, if you're talking about Instagram, they don't really do it anymore. It's all about videos and video content and reels and posting on your story. Now, of course, pictures can help with your aesthetic. They can help with your actual like feel and vibe of your page. But at the same time, like they don't do as well as they used to do on Instagram. And Instagram came out and said, we are no longer a foot, like a photo platform. We are a video platform now. And when they say that, they're not saying that because they want you to continue to post like just pictures. They want you to post videos and they actually go and they push videos that are reels out into algorithm more, which is why you have like an entire reels tab. You can literally just scroll and you can see like all these new ones and it does nothing to do with the hashtags or whatever. And they're even going to be changing Instagram again to where you can see your favorites, you can see your feed, and then you can explore. So they have another change that's going to be happening on Instagram. But when it comes to actually taking pictures, what I have noticed is a picture that I used to post that would get anywhere from three to 5,000 likes now gets like maybe a thousand. But when I post a reel, the reel gets anywhere from seven to like 12,000 likes. And, you know, the shares are huge too. Like I could never see how many shares because there's way too many. And that's where I would just challenge you to not just take pictures. Like pictures are great. But for me, pictures have like a time and a place and videos do much better. So if you're wanting to get content that people connect with more, you definitely have to kind of trial and error. Find an account that takes pictures or does videos that kind of connects with you. And you're like, oh, I like the way that they're doing it. Let me try. And that takes time to really build your confidence in and to get better at. I can't tell you like you're going to angle your little figurine down and your camera is going to be up and then you have going to have a ring light over here. Like it, that's just for me. I'm like, first of all, I don't take pictures of, uh, you know, board games, but what I will say typically for pictures is an uncluttered background, something that is not going to be distracting. If you have a dark board game, then you need to have, you know, something light behind it. So that way it's easy to see. Um, you want to make sure that whatever it is you're wanting to take a picture of is the star of the actual picture. And then it, when you post on Instagram, you need to have the first like sentence of your copy needs to be something that's going to grab the attention. So for instance, if I was to take like a very recent Instagram post of mine, something that would grab attention I did, I have two really big announcements. So that would be one or another one was how to make $300,000 in 2022. So you don't necessarily have to say like stuff like that, but something that is going to catch someone's attention. So another thing would be a big fat lie hairstylist believe. Someone's like, oh, there's a, what does that look like? Or how to make extra, how to make an extra hundred dollars behind the chair and say without raising your prices. Mm -hmm. So that's 
something that you have to kind of think about. Like you have to think, okay, clickbait, what's going to catch someone and make someone want to read further down in this caption or what's going to, you know, draw someone to this picture, but then what's going to keep them there and what's going to warm them up. Gotcha. That's really cool. I found all of this extremely interesting. I personally can't wait to re-listen to this uh, to this episode. And um, well, from the bottom of your brother's heart, thank you so much, Kristen, for joining on our nerdy podcast. Probably the least least nerdy person we've had on the podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. I can imagine that I'm the least nerdy person, but at the same time, like I am definitely a nerd. It's a little bit different because I'm a book nerd. I actually read like five to seven books a week. So <laughs> if anyone ever wants to get me something that uh, it would be nice, like if you really love this podcast, please get me a Kindle because I have a Amazon bookstore <laughs> membership because I read so many books a week. I literally read five to seven. So, uh, well, cool. Then where can people find you? Uh, if you really want to follow me and you want to see something that's not super nerdy, then you can follow me on Instagram at Kristen.Lumiere. That's L-U-M-I-E-R-E. And yes, if you've seen Beauty and the Beast, you know that it's the candlestick from Beauty and the Beast. And if yes. you haven't, then you need to watch it. But yes, oh. um, at Kristen.Lumiere. And if you have any questions that you would just like to follow up, then send me a DM. Like I'm always in there and I have my people go in there too and, you know, flag them. So I'll let them know that a bunch of nerds might, you know, slip into the dms all right well that sounds that sounds like dangerous to do well thank you so much sis um i guess uh we will i don't know see you on friday huh yeah pretty <laughs> much cool. absolutely i'm super excited to help you and cannot wait for you guys first of all i just can't wait to see your house i think that's gonna be awesome i know it's gonna be nice to not be homeless i'll tell you what it's been difficult with a family of eight so oh, yeah It'd be nice to oh, have yeah. our house. Well, 100%. Well, well, good stuff. So I guess uh, Richard was gone today in the closet. We will bring him out of the closet to bring out Robot Richard out. Yes, Robot Richard. Take it away. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. For more resources, articles, and to listen to past podcasts, please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. And if you have a crowdfunding question, we also have a page on our site where you can send a message directly to us. Please visit crowdfundingnerds.com forward slash question. And if your question is a great question, we may include it in a future podcast. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.